0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 46 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm your co-host, Matt Crandall, here as always with Marcelo Inestroza, and we are continuing our Lost Rewatch. At the moment, we are in season three. This week, we are talking about episodes two, three, and four. Episode two, The Glass Ballerina is a Sun and Gin flashback episode written by Jeff Pinkner and Drew Goddard. And it basically last week, we didn't see any of these characters. And now we're finally catching up with them. Marcello, what did you think of The Glass Ballerina?
1: I really liked the, The Glass Ballerina because we learned that Sun had an affair with Chinese gentleman that was teaching her English. So I thought all of that particular backstory was really fascinating and really heartbreaking when we do find out what happens to that particular gentleman after Sun's father basically forces Jin to kill the guy after he finds out that Sun has an affair with this guy.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy because we did meet Jay Lee in a previous episode. And then in that same episode where Sun reveals that she's pregnant, she says to Jin, you know, I haven't been with anyone else, but she gave that look. So we now know she a hundred percent lied because she did have an affair with Jay Lee, and through the events that are put into motion because Sun's father, Mr. Pike, catches them in bed, he sends Jin after that guy. And I thought that whole storyline was really fascinating and really engrossing because it dug into the fact that Sun has lied, covered it up. She has had this intricate affair with the English teacher and Jin actually beats the living crap out of that guy. And what he says to him is in relation to Mr. Pike, because in those moments, Jin does not quite know everything, but. Jay Lee takes it as, you know, the fact that this guy has found out everything and ends up killing himself at the end, which is terrible, but it really adds more layers to that weird dynamic of Sun and Jin's backstory with her father and that power struggle. And it's one of the more interesting flashbacks that they have had because really had some twists and turns in there.
1: The other thing that really frustrated me was seeing Saeed fall for the idea that Jack, Kate, and Sawyer were still going to do their original plan and ambush the others on their own island. But as that backstory really Started to feed itself out. I was so happy that Saeed was placating Sun and Jin. Saeed is still one step a- ahead of the others, and he was only acting like a like a like a jackass, maybe for Sun and Jin's uh, benefit and their, uh, for the lack of a better word, entertainment.
0: Yeah, I like that, too, because, you know, it felt in the finale where they end up seeing that the black smoke is nowhere near where Jack is, that Saeed had not really thought through that the others might have been lying about where Michael was going to go. So this does show Saeed take back the upper of the upper hand, um, you know, get the high ground on the others. And he doesn't tell them immediately because he doesn't want to panic them. And he's sort of formulating his plan. As they build this signal fire. And I did like that we see Saeed again being super smart, cunning, knowing how to do things. And then when the others do arrive, and the boat and this whole plan, and the big crescendo of it is that Son shoots uh, the other named Colleen, who's played by Paula Malcolmson from Deadwood, who played Trixie, one of my favorite characters. And that all takes a lot of cool turns and finally like our losties are are starting to maybe get one over on the others in a way that's unexpected because i didn't think that sun would be the one who would pull the trigger so that was kind of you know the way they cut the flashbacks made us understand that she's in this position where she will do what has to be done but i thought that was really surprising because if i had to put money on it I thought that Saeed or Jin would be the ones to actually do something like that um not Sun. I really
1: liked that final sequence with the others storming the boat and getting the drop on Sun. And because the flashbacks were structured in such a way, I subconsciously knew that she actually was going to pull the trigger uh on um uh Colleen, right? That's her yeah. th- that's her name. So I was like, woman, you better back up because she's going to shoot you. After everything that she's been through, I was really pleasantly surprised she was able to go there. Not because she wanted to, but because she had to. Because if she didn't go there, she would have definitely got captured by the others. I've been really anticipating things to come. The several weeks that we've been talking about a specific character. By the name of Henry Gale, although if you guys have been paying attention, you, you guys know who he is already. I was really happy that that Michael Emerson finally stood up and introduced himself by his proper name of Benjamin Linus. And I really enjoyed the fact that once he did that, you know, in, in true lost fashion, when Jack asked him for a bunch of answers and, you know, asked him for some explanations as to what his overall plan is. Ben didn't give him anything, but he did tell him that, you know, he has to be patient. And then we find out that uh, Benjamin Linus has been living on that island for his entire life. And I was like, what? He's been, How, what, why? I I need some more explanations. So that specific scene was a pure joy, at least for me to finally hear the name Benjamin Linus. I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, that was great. Finally, Ben comes out of the shadows fully. And I did love where he says, yeah, I've lived here all my life. But he also says, and we are not cut off from the world, Jack. I can communicate I choose to live here and Jack calls BS but then that's when Ben says well here's some news footage and check this out the Red Sox won the World Series Christopher Reeve passed away and he starts listing off current events that happened since the crash and then he shows him footage of the World Series and Jack you know his his mind is kind of blown that what is going on on this island that these people could leave but choose not to that was awesome the other two things I want to mention before we move on to the next one is the Sawyer and Kate storyline. I really liked where they are doing their their labor and Sawyer starts to press boundaries to see who among the others has weapons, who knows how to fight, what's happening and I love that moment where he says like to Kate, you know, well now I know what their defenses are and how they do this. But then we see that Ben is watching video footage of them in the cages with audio. So any sort of plan that Sawyer is cooking up as a result of this is going to be foiled pretty easily because they don't realize they're being monitored around the clock by the others. And Alex showing up again was a nice throwback. And she asked Kate if she has seen a boy in a cage um, and Kate tells her, you know, it. she thinks that this maybe was this kid. And then Alex disappears. So Alex is still looming large and there is a lot going on with the others in this. And the son and Jim backstory is just a nice sort of cherry on top to make this fairly interesting episode. The next one we're going to talk about is episode three, further instructions, which is a John Locke flashback episode. Amongst some of my favorites are always John Locke flashback episodes. Marcelo, what did you think about this one where we find out that John Locke used to be a member of like a cult?
1: I just felt really, really bad for John because knowing that he had all his problems with his father, he lost his girlfriend because of it. And to find out that he fell trapped to, to falling into a weed cult was just really bad. Extremely disappointing. Besides that, I was fascinated with his sort of meditation weed trip. As a result of that meditation weed trip, we get to see a character who we haven't seen in a while. And I thought that this episode sort of gave John Locke a chance to apologize.
0: To- yeah, he does. So I did think that when Boone shows up in that sweat lodge was one of those awesome surprise moments, except for the fact that he was in the credits, but I did love that. Yeah. Locke when he wakes up and we're picking up, finally, we're seeing the aftermath of whatever happened with the hatch exploding or the, the release of the electricity. So we haven't gotten any follow-up. So we had to wait three whole episodes, which feels like a lot, but this does pick up there. And where he can't speak, the Island has taken away his voice and he's got to find a way to deal with this. And he goes into that sweat lodge and has this hallucination of Boone. It's awesome because we got summer back for a scene and him and Locke had such a great rapport, but also he says like, you know, you sacrifice me to the Island or whatever. And he's not really willing to let John off the hook, but also sets Locke up for what he has to do to make it up to the island because he didn't believe that the hatch was something. And that mission that he finds out in that is that he has to save Echo because he has a flash of the polar bear and he realizes that this is the mission he has to go on for this episode. So I thought that was really cool. And a, a weird thing that the island had taken away John's voice. It has given him the power to walk. but now because he has slighted it, it has taken away something else.
1: The other interesting little wrinkle that I found interesting is that when the hatch imploded, it kind of put the, the people in the hatch on separate parts of the island. Like like John was in one part, Echo somehow got in, got in that cave with that polar bear, but... Our good pal Desmond, his clothes got vaporized, and he was found like 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 naked in the uh, the jungle. And the point that I'm getting at here is that when on the on the way back to the camp, Desmond has one single line about John Locke, where where Hurley is trying to you know sort of catch him up, right? on, 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 on what's been going on. And, um, Desmond says something to the effect of, you know, um, John is going to go after, uh, Sawyer, Jack and Kate. I'm like, how could he know that? Like that enforced the, the little question in the back of my mind Uh, that we're going towards here, but I don't want to spoil it. It really begged the question, is Desmond some sort of time traveler? And that's all I'm going to say, because I do want to say more about that, but I don't want to spoil things to come later.
0: Yeah, it was such a weird out of left field kind of thing, because in that moment where he says, yeah, they're going to be rescued. Locke's going to go after them. He said so in that speech. And Hurley looks at him like, John hasn't given a speech. What The hell are you talking about? And Desmond goes, oh, yeah, right, right. Whatever. I like I'm sure he'll take care of it. And they move on. And we sort of forget about it in that moment. But then when they come to the beach and John gives that big speech and we see Hurley look over at Desmond chucking rocks in the sea, he's like, wait a minute. How? How did this guy know that this guy was going to give this exact speech? And that's where the episode ends because Hurley is now, he's the one who isn't afraid to ask questions like, you know, where are we? When are we? And because he reads comic books and stuff immediately, he doesn't think that Desmond misspoke. He starts looking at him like there is more to this. And I remember at the time when this aired, this was still just like a very small crumb of a seed that they were planting. So I wasn't freaking out yet, but it was just one of those like, oh, that's weird. I wonder if maybe something to do with the hatch is how Desmond actually knew this. So maybe it wasn't that Desmond was special. Maybe it was the event that happened somehow flung him forward and brought him back. So I think that we still didn't know exactly what was up because they gave us just enough to make us go, huh? But not force-feeding any information to us, which I really liked. And, of course, when John gives that speech on the beach, we are introduced to two of the most notorious survivors in Lost history, Nikki and Paolo on the beach. And if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, I guess is what the Lost writers think, because last year they introduced Ana Lucia and Libby, which didn't really work out, got rid of them, And now here are two people that supposedly have been survivors this whole time. We just haven't seen their their faces on screen. Nikki and Paolo, who again are more characters that the audience did not appreciate or take to at all. And we'll see how their arc plays out as this season rolls along. But this one had lots of cool moments with the John Locke mission. The only negatives, the polar bear special effects. Kind of weak in retrospect now, I can't remember if they looked like crap at the time, but definitely now, when they're in the cave with the polar bear, I was like, oh my gosh, this is for a show that looks high budget and beautiful ninety nine percent of the time, it was some smallville esque special effects.
1: I am so glad that you brought up Pablo and uh, uh and, and that other person because the second that. Hurley walked up to the guy who was playing golf. I'm like, who the fuck are you? I've never seen you before. What is the point of this? I found it to be so not weird, but so random that Hurley would come up to a guy who we've never seen before, and I have no recollection of him at all in any of my lost rewatches, So I will be more than happy to see the way that the writers write him and that other person you mentioned out of the show because he made the actor who plays the character
0: made no impact on me whatsoever yeah and they don't make much of an impact which is part of the problem so this episode some highs and lows i did like seeing that in his grief over losing helen and his devastation after being screwed over by his father yet again that it makes sense Locke would fall into this commune, but he doesn't realize that he's trapped in this cult that is doing illegal things. He just thinks it's like a family he has found. And in those final moments where he says, I'm a hunter, but he can't kill that FBI agent. I thought those were really nice showing that Locke is trying to reclaim some of his power, but he's still not willing to do bad things to get the, the power back. And that's kind of, part of his dilemma that we see on the island all the time. Final episode for this episode is episode four, every man for himself, a Sawyer flashback episode. I usually love the Sawyer flashback episodes. And I think the Sawyer flashback in this episode was great. Part of the other stuff I didn't love as much. Marcelo, how did you feel about every man for himself?
1: Loved this episode for just Two reasons. One, Ben sort of uh, conning Sawyer into believing that he had a pacemaker in his heart. And the other one is a really inside baseball reference, but you won't understand it unless you're a part of the J.J. Abrams Damon Lindelof universe. But to sort of prove to James that You know, the others put a pacemaker in his heart to get him to to get him to cooperate. Ben takes a white rabbit in a cage and then he starts shaking him. And eventually the white rabbit dies. And and after that happens, Sawyer's convinced, you know, Ben is telling him the, the truth. If he gets too excited, once his heart rate goes past a certain point, basically his heart will explode. White Rabbit is very significant to Damon Lindelof. White Rabbit is the name of his now production company that the first thing that they produced was uh, The Leftovers. So I I, I just love little hints and inside
0: jokes like that. Yeah, that's a nice, cool in-universe reference if you know the other works. The other cool thing, if you are a fan of J.J. Abrams' and have been following along his other shows is that Ian Gomez, Javier from Felicity is in the Sawyer backstory. So I thought that that was awesome. I love Ian Gomez. He's so great on Felicity and Cougar Town. And to see him here as Munson, the guy that Sawyer rats out to get out of jail early was, was great. I love that they brought him in and it's not a huge role, but he plays it well. And that storyline, the backstory was my favorite part of this episode because we find out that Sawyer did go to jail because Cassidy had him prosecuted. Cassidy shows up and tells him that he has a daughter named Clementine and James doesn't want to believe it. But then he does go through this thing that the warden asks him to do to get close to this guy, Munson, flip against him. And then he says, I want all the money put in a trust for Clementine. And I thought that was really nice because even in those moments where Sawyer says, I don't have a daughter, then he does the right thing to help set up this, this child so that they will be well off no matter what happens to him. So again, it shows that he's got a good heart when you get down to it. My least favorite part is the pacemaker stuff. I know that it's cool at the end when they reveal that the only way to to gain the trust of a con man is to con him. But as soon as they bring Jack in to help work on Colleen, because they aren't experienced enough as a medical team to save her life. I immediately thought like, well, there's no effing way they put a pacemaker in Sawyer and like have done all this stuff to him. They are not, they can't save a gunshot victim. I don't think that they'd be able to do this. So it, tipped its hand like 10 minutes too soon for me, which is why it took a little bit out of the the wind out of the sails for that big reveal near the end. But that's like a small nitpick because I do like the stuff with Jack operating. He's unable to save Colleen. I like the stuff with Colleen's husband getting mad at Sawyer and this conning the con man to then show him at the end of the episode, that all of his planning and schemes that he's trying to come up with are not going to work because the thing that they did not know until the last seconds of this episode, they are not on Lost Island. They are on a different island. They are on a separate island. So even if they escape, they've got nowhere to go, which was the awesome, holy shit moment that this episode needed to really make it something cool right at the end there.
1: Did you notice the, uh, the x-rays on the on the wall when Jack was brought in to fix uh, Colleen? and when you first watched uh, the show back in the day, did you think
0: twice about those X-rays or did that just pass you by? Well, it didn't pass me by only because Jack says like what are these x-rays and he, and he mentions that it looks like a man in his 40s with a large tumor, but I didn't know who th- those would belong to or if that was just a random thing to show Jack's acumen with surgery and x-rays or if it was going to be something bigger they were setting up for later.
1: When when the big uh, oh shit moment happens in this episode, I completely forgot that. And when Ben reveals that there is more than one island, I really began to think the place where they are is like worst Bermuda triangle that you could ever imagine. And there are other things that I have to say about that, but I won't say that because I'm saving it to the, to, to the point
0: where I
1: can really give you my entire theory on the show.
0: That is the end of these episodes. I've lost a couple of twists and turns and we spend a lot of time with the others on what we now know as Hydra Island, as they call it online. So if you are following along with us next week, we will be talking about episodes five, six, and seven. So that is your homework for this week. We appreciate everyone for tuning in and listening to the show. If you have any comments, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag radio 815 or at us jjuniverse 815. The best place to reach me on Twitter is at Matt Crandall. Marcello, where can the people hit you up?
1: Also, the best place to reach me is on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88.
0: Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you next week as we continue our Lost Season 3 journey. Until then, Radio 815 over and out.